lot of people feel that life is just a drag. Like day is, uh, keeps on going one day after another day, one month after another month, one year after another year. No change, no... There's an expression, are you alive because you're alive? Or are you alive because a truck didn't run you over? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so so there's, there's different ways of living, living life. Everyone has different kinds of soul energy, soul powers. And uh, are you in touch with your inner strength? Are you in touch with that, what, what, what makes you unique, what makes you special with what you have inside? Or are you just functioning without that, that inner, inner oomph, that inner, what makes you really tick? So this week, we read about Moshe Rabbeinu, about Moses, and how his face shines. His face shine. How did his face shine? It's when I was in Massachusetts once. I was at a dentist. It's a true story. I went to a dentist once. It was before Thanksgiving, and this dentist told me, Jewish dentist, he said he had a college student come to him right before me, and the college student said to him, "You know, I have a question for you. I'm going to this Jewish home for Thanksgiving. I have just one question for you, because I never had been to a Jewish home before. What was his question? He wanted to know if Jews have horns." <laughs> why, where does it come from? You know why people think Jews have horns? You know where it comes from? It comes this Torah portion. It says in the Torah portion, Ki karan or panav. Moshe Rabbeinu's face was karan. What's karan mean? So Michelangelo, the famous artist, he drew a picture of, of Moses with horns. But he said karan, it comes from the word karen. Karan means horns. And a lot of, a lot of non-Jews weren't in touch with, with Jews, uh, especially in medieval, medieval times. They actually thought that Jews have horns, even today. Like I just told you, there are people that think that Jews have horns. But obviously, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean, Quran doesn't mean that, that, that we have horns. The word Quran means there are beams of light coming from Moshe Rabbeinu's face. As the Rashbam says, that it's, it's idiocy to think that the word Quran means horns. And if there was horns, uh, the Ezra says, they couldn't look at him, he had to wear a mask because he had Quran. If he had horns, what does a mask help? The mask doesn't cover your, cover your head, the mask just covers your face. So what's the point of, because he had, he had Quran, because he had this beam, these beams of light, therefore he had to have a mask. That makes sense. But if he had horns, what do the horns do to his, um, to his, what did the mask do for his horns? Ellie, you don't have horns, do you? No. no. So, so, so Michelangelo made that picture, and it's obvious it's wrong, but there is something, even though we don't have horns, we do have Quran. It means Moshe Rabbeinu had a glow, he had a shine, and it wasn't just Moshe Rabbeinu. The Zohar says there's a motion in every generation, something like Moshe Rabbeinu in every generation. Not just in every, not just in every generation, but every person has in him something of the light of Moshe Rabbeinu. We all have something of Moshe's light in us. And the question is, how do we get in touch with that inner glow, that inner shine that we all have from Moshe Rabbeinu? How do we get in touch with the light of Moshe inside ourselves? So let's first figure out how Moshe Rabbeinu got this light. So the Medrash says, the Medrash says that how did Moshe get this light? I mean, it's a question, sounds funny, because it says in the Torah clearly, why was his face shiny? Does anyone know? What does it say in the Torah? Moshe didn't know that his face was shiny. Why was his face shiny? What does it say? Because Hashem spoke to him. Hashem spoke to him. So obviously his face is shining because Hashem spoke to him. What's the Medrash's question? The question is, Hashem spoke to him before. It wasn't the first time Hashem spoke to him. So why does it say, why does his face come shiny all of a sudden? So the Medrash explains 
that what is unique over here, as Hashem Shmuel explains, that it's like a, um, a mirror. If the mirror is tarnished, it won't reflect light. And if you put a candle in front of a mirror, it's not going to re- reflect anything. But if, if the mirror is polished, so then it will reflect. In a similar way, Moshe Rabbeinu, because he worked very hard for the second tablets, the Jewish people sinned against Hashem with the sin of the golden calf. And Moshe Rabbeinu had sacrificed to save the Jewish people. Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, if you're not going to forgive them, take me out of your book. And the Talmud says, take me out of the book means kill me in this world, let me lose the world to come. Finito la commedia, I'm, I'm going to end everything. If you don't forgive them, I'm all done. So because Moshe Rabbeinu, because Moshe Rabbeinu, he had to sacrifice for the Torah, that's how the light of Hashem came into him, that's how he had that shine. That's what the Shem Yishmuel says. There's another explanation. In Medrash says also another Medrash, it says, Moshe Rabbeinu was writing the Torah, and he had a little bit of ink left in his pen, in his, in his quill. And because he had ink left in his quill, he, what did he do with the ink left in his quill? He put it on his face. That's how his face started to shine. That doesn't make sense. How come this ink left? If we, we have a pen, okay, so a human being has a pen, he doesn't, he, he doesn't put exact the amount that he, that he needs, but, but Hashem knows exactly how many letters are in the Torah. So why is there ink left? What does that mean? There's ink left in the Torah, and Moshe when he takes the ink and he rubs on, rubs on his forehead. Why is there ink left? What does that mean? Also, how does ink make shine? Ink is black. And the shine was a, a bright color, a bright, white, bright light. How is there a bright light from ink? What does that mean? So the Orachaim, he answers the first question. He says, Moshe Ben was told by Hashem to write the words, Moshe was the most humble person in the world. Now, what did Moshe think when Hashem told it, said to write that? He's like, I don't want to write that. I'm the most humble person in the world. Moshe was a humble person. A humble person doesn't want to say about themselves that they're humble. So Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to write the word anav, humble. So what did he do? He took out the letter yud. If you've seen the Torah, it says anav without the letter yud. So with the extra ink from the letter yud, that's how Moshe Rabbeinu had put the, put the ink on, on his face. That's what, um, that's what the... Uh, some commentaries say, the, the, the uh, Orachayim says. The Torah says, there's another Pasuk. In the beginning of Vayikra, it says, Hashem called to Moshe. With love, Hashem called to Moshe. Moshe said, I don't want to, he didn't want to write that. It's arrogance, he just called just to me, I'm, I'm so special, Vayikra, Moshe. So Moshe didn't want to put the Aleph in there. He wanted it to say Vayikar. He happened to speak to Moshe, like it says about Bilam. Vayikar al-Bilam. Moshe wanted to say Vayikar. It wasn't, he happened to talk to me. It was a coincidence. I was there. I was in Walgreens. He was there. Whatever. He happened to speak to me. But it wasn't that he specifically wanted me and he reached out to me. Vayikar. So Hashem said, you got to write it. So he wrote it. But if you notice, Vayikar, what is, how, what, how does this Vayikar written in the Torah? With a small aleph. So with the extra ink from the, between the small aleph and the big aleph, Moshe took the extra ink and he rubbed on his face. That's how he had to shine. That's what another commentary says. The, 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 the tour says. What's his game over here? What's his game? Hashem says, write, he makes this thing, he doesn't want to write, and there's extra ink. And how does all this fit together? We see the Torah is different than in other wisdoms where there's an argument, there are different opinions. In the Torah, every word is true. So was it because Moshe Rabbeinu's face was shining because of the extra ink? Or was his face shining as Hashem Yishmuel says because he had sacrificed to the Torah, he polished himself? Or... There's another explanation in the Medrash that says that the Shekhinah, the light of Hashem, rested on his face. That's that when Hashem spoke to him, there's light of Hashem on him. So which one was it? To understand this, let's look at another Medrash. Another explanation, which will put this all together. 
Mizrash says like this. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu's face have a shine? Where did, where did the shine come from? Mizrash says it came from the Torah. Why does it come from the Torah? Because the Torah is written with white, with black letters, black fire on white fire. What's meaning of black fire and white fire? Each letter in the Torah is considered in, the, in Shemaim in heaven is black fire and it's written on a parchment of white fire. So the Torah is written black fire on white fire. It's all fire. That's, that's how Moshe's face was shining. What does that mean? Black fire, white fire, well, black letters, white letters. What is, what's going on? It says in the Gemara, if you see, God forbid, a Torah being burnt, the is you have to tear your clothing twice. Why tear your clothing twice? Because you have to tear your clothing for two reasons. One is because of the letters of the Torah that are being burnt. And also you have to tear your clothing because of the parchment. So there's the parchment and there's the letters. And they're both an issue. And you have to tear your clothing twice because of the letters, the written letters, the black letters. You also have to tear your clothing. You also have to mourn because of the parchment itself. What does that mean? What is the meaning of the white letters of the Torah? The black letters and the white letters. You only see black letters in the Torah. What's the meaning of the white letters? You look at the Torah. What do you see? You see black letters. You see any white letters? What, what is the white letters? A lot of times people speak to each other and you only hear sometimes, or the person you speak to only hears the words you're saying. They don't get the real message of what you're trying to say. They don't get the nukuda. They don't get the inner meaning of what you're saying. Rebeir uh, of um, Shapiro, he, was, he made a great yeshiva in, in, in Europe very famous yeshiva. He came to America to collect staka. The way it worked was, you go to every single synagogue. He was able to. He was that he was invited to, and he would speak and he would say a great, amazing talk. And after he finished the talk, he would make an appeal for his yeshiva. So he finishes one talk, and he was to, to go into his yeshiva. I think he had to memorize five hundred pages of Gemara to memorize five hundred pages just to go into the yeshiva. So the mayor finishes his talk, and a little eight-year-old boy there, and he says, "The eight-year-old boy," he says. Did you get what I, what I said? He said, yeah, you want money for your yeshiva. <laughs> so he says, ah, he got it better than anybody else. He, he knows exactly what this whole thing is about. So sometimes you, you get the, the inner meaning of what someone says, sometimes you don't get it. So everyone has inside themselves, it says, Zota Torah Adam. Just like the Torah itself, the white letters and the black letters, so also, also in a person, you also have your white letters, you have your black letters. Your black letters means your intellect, your feelings, your, your, your kochot, your talents. Your white letters means the inner strength that's deep within you that you may not even be aware of. In order to connect with your black letters, that's there, it's conscious, it's in you. But to connect to the deeper part of yourself that, that it doesn't always come out, that you have to go out of yourself. It's kochot makifim. To get to the to higher, deeper strength you have, the kochot, the deeper strength within you, you have to go out of yourself. You can't get that in a regular on a regular day without, without, without making, making effort. Mozart said this amazing thing. He said, famous famous musician, Mozart said that between every note, that he, he's a composer, between every note there's a silence. The music is not the notes. The music is the silence between the notes. When the note stops, you're waiting for the next note, between the two notes, that's where the music begins. When you're, when you're absorbing the note. There... There was um, in Seattle a few years ago. There was a special Olympic. Not the special. There's Olympics. They also have an Olympics for special children with special Olympics. There was a guy who said that that he was. This story changed his life. What was the story? 
they had in this in the Special Olympics, they had nine nine children, nine special children, and they had a race. And one of the kids in the middle of the race, he falls down. Shoyim Hashemim, just two minutes to hear something interesting and go. There was a there was a boy who trips, and he falls down. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not. Keep on going. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's, so there's a, this boy falls down in the middle of, of the of the race, and uh, and he starts to cry. So one kid turns around and he and he goes over to him, and the other kids who are running, they're far ahead. They see this kid's crying, so they all turn around and they all go back to the kid. And one kid says to this boy who had fallen, he says, "Get ready, because you're going to win the race." And they all held each other's hands. And they all walked together from where he had fallen to the finish line. And this boy won. And the whole stadium, the whole, everyone got up and they were clapping. And there wasn't, wasn't any dry eyes in the whole audience. Everyone was crying. And that guy who, who, who um, I'm talking about, he heard this story. It wasn't just another story. This changed his life. It made him realize in life, a lot of times you're, you're running, you're running, you want to get more. That's how he felt before he heard the story. He wants to earn another, make another deal, and, and, and you, you want to do that in life. You want to gain, you want to earn. But after he saw this, he realized that sometimes you're walking very slowly, and boy, you're walking fast. Sometimes you're walking very fast, and boy, you're walking slowly. Life isn't only about what we get, right? Life isn't only about what you, you the, the, your, your, your bottom line, as they say in America, what the finances that you earn. Life is about really what you give. Life is about what you're able to give and help another person. That's really what it's about. That's the meaning of the white letters. The white letters are, as the Torah says, words that come from the heart enter the heart. You could talk to somebody. Just say words. Just say ideas. Then you could talk to somebody from the very core of your neshama. You could talk to someone from the essence of your heart. And the person hears it differently too. He hears it differently. You could talk from deep within your heart, from the white letters within you, and then oh, it's going to reach the other person also the white letters. Or you can talk to them from the black letters, just externally. But if you talk with the white letters, you reach the white letters. There, there are times, you know, you talk to somebody and the person you're talking to is just thinking what they're going to answer you. While you're talking to them, what are they going to gain from the conversation? What, 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 what are they going to get out of it? And sometimes you meet somebody who's actually able to totally zones into you and can actually hear you. Where did that come from? Where does the ability come from? They're able to really hear the other person. They're able to totally connect the other person and absorb the other person and say, where does that come from? That's the white letters. The white letters is the ability to totally put yourself on the side and to zone into the other person and to be there for the other person. That, that, that's, that's a deeper strength. When Moshe Rabbeinu was written writing the Torah, he was writing the, both the black letters and the white letters. He was writing both. Moshe Rabbeinu sacrificed himself for us. He said to Hashem, erase me from your book if you're not going to forgive them. Because of his sacrifice, he connected to the white letters of the Torah. And that's why his face was shining. And that's why he didn't want to write the word Aleph, the, the word humble. If someone knows they're humble, that that's already not humility. He said that he was really a person who was totally devoted to Hashem, devoted to Jewish people. And therefore, there was no sense of, of self in him. And therefore, he didn't want to write that extra, extra, that extra word. And that's how he received the white letters. And that's how his face was shining. He, he didn't just get the Torah. He get the Torah. There's Torah's information in the Torah. Then there is the real truth of what Torah is. When people learn Torah, they had this um, event in Europe 
for this, the first printing press in Europe. I forgot what it's called, the name of the printing press. They printed many books of Talmud. And they wanted to visit this yeshiva in Belgium because they wanted to see, wow, people are actually still studying the Torah nowadays. These books are actually being used. The first books that were printed are still being used today. It's amazing. Let's go visit the yeshiva. These four professors go to the yeshiva of Chabad in Belgium, Rabbi Shabtai Sartitsky. He said he greeted them and they came into the room. Like, wow, looking at all these boys are looking That's amazing. But then they come out and they're like, why is everybody screaming? <laughs> why, why are they shaking and they're screaming? So, 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 so first he told them, you know, they're excited about it. It's not just they're learning, it's, it's exciting. All right, okay, fine. That, that's, that's what you tell everybody else. Tell, tell us the truth. Tell us, the, tell us the real meaning of it. What, what, what is it really? What is it really? What are they shaking for? What's, what is it coming from? So he told them, besides information in the Torah, besides the black letters in the Torah, there's also the white letters. There's also the inner, the inner meaning of the Torah. There's also the fact that the Torah and Hashem are one. There's also the holiness of the Torah. Not just the, the black letter. Not just there's information. There is God in the Torah. God and the Torah are one. There's holiness there. And these boys, they just want to get, they're, they're trying to get, when you're learning Torah, you're not just trying to get to the information. You want, want to get to the, to the white letters. You want to get to the, to the holiness of Hashem. You want to get to God. That's what we shake. We study Torah. It says in the, in the Kuzri, Kuzri says that the reason we shake when we study Torah, it's like a candle that just like a candle goes upward, so too the neshama wants to cleave to Hashem. That's why a person, the custom is to, to shake, saying towards the Torah, you're shaking. Why are you shaking? Because you're like a candle, you want to get closer. And this is something that we can live with, or we can choose not to live with. We can choose to live our lives with the black letters, without going into our who really, what makes you special, what makes you tick, what you're really about, or just live your life with, with, with externally. You have a choice. Never think that another person that another person only has the black letters. Another person, there was a there was a famous tzaddik in the name of Melech. Melech. He says like this. He says, when light, when the sunlight goes through a cloud or goes through a window in a certain way, you could notice all the colors of the rainbow in in the in the in the light of the sun. That means the color white has in it all the colors, but the color black doesn't have any color. So the color white represents the way Torah is in heaven, the way Torah is in, infinite, the way Torah is one with Hashem, that's the white letters. And then there is the way the Torah is on here, it's just black letters, just, just simple ideas, simple things. But just like when you, in the Torah itself, how do you know about the white letters? How do you know the, how did the white letters are revealed by the black letters? In other words, it's by the contrast of the black on the white, you have to understand what the Torah is saying. In a similar way, it's by us keeping the mitzvah, and doing, learning Torah, but learning Torah and doing a mitzvah with you trying to get to someone, trying to connect with, with not just the thing you're doing, but connect with the, the fire that's there, connect with, it, with, with, with the inner, inner light of Hashem and what you're doing. Not just, not just to do what you're doing, but to connect with the... There's expression in Hebrew. When they're playing your song, even if it hits you, it, 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 if, you're playing, if it's, you're playing a tune in your heart, even if it hits you, you can handle it. If it's your song in your heart, even though it's hitting you, you can handle it because it's your song. In order to, Rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau, he used to be the chief rabbi of Israel, he was once talking, in the middle of talking, he just choked up, he couldn't continue speaking. What, what, was it, what happened to him? He said, his grandchildren, great grandchildren, they say to him, Hey, um, I'm turning eight years old, I'm turning ten years old. And it bothered him. Why did it bother him? So when I was in, growing up in, in Auschwitz, so I was seven and a half. And every day, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know if I'll live the next, next day. And every day, I, I live another day. I never, wow, I made it to another day. 
Wow, I'm, I'm still alive. I, I'm almost eight years old. Hopefully I can make it till eight years old. He felt like the real, the real magic of what life is about. And he, it's people, he says, they, live, they have no idea what the gift Hashem is giving them is. They don't know what, what, what life is about. They just think it's just a, a race. They don't, they don't know where, where we're going. There were these, these, these couples that they brought together to do this experiment. What was the experiment? They took all these couples, men and women, and they told them four minutes to sit across each other. This was probably a long time ago before there were cell phones invented, but this is what happened. They got they had a couple set across from each other, men and women, and they were supposed to look at each other in the eyes and think about the good of each other. Think about the other, the other person's goodness. They did this for four minutes. It was amazing. One old elderly couple, after four minutes, the husband takes his wife's hands and they start to dance. They start to dance. There, there, is, there is seeing another person, the black letters, just the external, just the limitation. Then there's seeing another person, the real inner beauty and what they have, the, who, who they're really about. And, and we have that, that choice in ourselves also, to, what we want to look at. One time, Yerushalayim, the previous Rebbe and the Rebbe Rashab, his father, they were at a table like this, a long table. And the Rebbe Rashab was giving a discourse. He was giving a talk. And the previous, he always looked at his son when he talked. It was a very deep, deep, deep talk. No one understood it. He asked his son, understand? His son was, you know, the, the rabbi after him. So for sure, if anyone understood it, maybe it was him. You get it? He, he went like this, uh-huh, uh-uh. So he repeated the whole thing over again. Read it a second time. After you finished it a second time, you get it? No. Then he did it a third time. You get it? He said, no. They went like this. Oh. <laughs> he got it, really. He understood the information. He understood the information. But the Rebbe Rashab wanted him to not just get the information, and, and, he, and, he, 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 and he also felt like he's missing something. He may get the information, but, and he gave him something more. He gave him something more without, like this, he gave him something more. It's hard to explain. I'll tell you one more story, maybe, maybe I'll make this, make this clearer. In the time of, don't worry, the last story, uh, uh, here's this story. There was, in the time of Mzitcha Magid, Mzitcha Magid was a successor to the Baal Shemtev. He, there was a, he was visited by a very famous genius, Torah genius named there, Pinchas. Rav Pinchas Baal HaFla. He wrote a book that everyone studies today called Baal HaFla. Rav Pinchas HaFla visits the Baal Shemtev. Sorry, visits, excuse me, the Mizitcha Magad, the success of the Baal Shemtev. And he wanted, he, didn't, he wasn't like interested in Hasidut and the holiness and the Tzaddik and all that stuff. That, that's like, for him, that was like strange heebie-jeebie stuff. It wasn't like real. <laughs> so he said to him, I don't, I want, but he wanted to know if these people have anything to sell, you know? So he says, can I talk to you in learning? In, in Gemara to see you know if, if, you, if you get stuff you know you wanted to know you're the, the Magda is a great Torah genius can we talk he says nah I don't have time for that right now but you can talk to my student the great Goyen Reb Zusha the great genius Reb Zusha Reb Zusha goes to the, into the shul does anyone know where the great genius Reb Zusha is and you speak to him great genius Reb Zusha there's no great rabbi named Reb Zusha here oh you must mean Zusha Zusha was was a very humble person, but he was he was a, he was a, in fact a great genius, and he was a great tzaddik. But he, he was very humble, and just people spoke to him, you know, like Zusha. He says, "Can I speak to you about Gemara? Me, Gemara? You're a genius in Torah. You want to talk to me? Who? How would I talk to you about Torah?" He said, "Listen, your Rebbe said I should speak to you." Oh, my Rebbe said, "Okay, I'll, I'll tell you." Um, I'm learning right now this part of the Gemara. The Gemara says like this. Gemara asks an interesting question. Now, every day over here to try to get a minion on time at one thirty. Not always get a minion on time. So the Gemara has the following scenario. Let's say you have nine people, and you have an ark. You have a Torah scroll in a box. Is that good? If you have nine people plus the box, can you count the ark? The Torah is in the ark, you count that also. And the Gemara answers, the Gemara answers always the question. The Gemara asks the question, answers the question. 
Where it says, is the ark a person? Is the ark a person? So Reb Zusha says to the Reb Pinchas, says, I don't get it. Didn't they know that before? What were they thinking? <laughs> what, what were they thinking? Why did they think it would... He says, let me tell you what I think. It's possible for a person to study Torah and learn lots and lots of Torah, but he remains a box. He has Torah in a box. He has lots of information in him. He knows lots and lots of things, but it's all in a box. It's all he and the Torah, two separate things. So Gemara says, is that, is that, is that something? Is, he has all this Torah in him. Is that worth something? The Gemara says, no, of course it's not what Hashem wants. Of course it's not. It's a box, is an ark, a person. The whole point of why Hashem gave us the Torah is that Hashem wants to give us the Torah. There should be a connection there. We should get in touch with, 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 the, with the white letters, with our inner, inner strength. And, and we have the ability to do that. How do we get in touch with it? You could learn a lot of Torah. As a Kotzker Rebbe, someone came to Kotzker Rebbe, he says, I, my son with the whole entire Talmud. The Kotzker said, but what did the Torah teach him? In order to get in touch, it's, we, we could, you know, you could learn the Torah, you could close your eyes. Like these couples looking at each other in the eyes and for four minutes they're quiet. Probably never did that with your spouse, right? But it, it's possible. But uh, you could do the same thing with the Torah also. Look at the Torah and you could try to think, Hashem is actually talking to me. There's actually the word of Hashem in the Torah. You could pray to Hashem. We're done, you know? Did, did he do mincha yet? We're done. We did mincha. We didn't do mincha. We did shachrit. Or you could try to get to, to, to what's between the lines. What's, what's what the inner information that's going on over here. You know, when you're doing business, you want to know, know, know what's between the lines, right? When you read the Siddur, look at the white letters in the Siddur. Not just look at the words. When you look at the, between the lines, the white. You want to get the light of Hashem that's in there. Hashem should help us all. We should get in touch with our inner, inner core, our inner light. You know, everyone has that. You're born, and when you sing that song, maybe it's hard. Maybe it's hard to do what your mission is. Maybe you have a very hard mission. But when you go out to do your mission, with your song, your nigan, your tune, what you're about, it goes. It goes. When you're singing the song of your heart, even if you're getting hit, you still could sing. L'chaim, 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 l'chaim.